These upstart Chinese challenge of brands in the market, bringing it to the Japanese and the South Koreans. The price is right, pretty clearly, but that's hardly everything in the car buying equation, I'd suggest. So, should you buy a Chinese car in Australia in 2021? I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously, or you can just click the card which may or may not be out there now, dude, depending on you. Okay, so I get hundreds of variations on this question all the time. Just wondering what your opinion is of the MG3. Our 19-year-old daughter is wanting to buy her first brand new car and is liking the MG3. We haven't been able to find much information on safety features, etc. Our daughter has saved hard to purchase a car and we want to know if it's worth the money or not. Just to answer this question specifically, okay? 19-year-olds, I'd suggest, are invariably inexperienced and therefore they are prone to making mistakes when they drive, sometimes with pretty serious consequences. So they typically benefit more than experienced drivers do from those advanced safety features in most modern cars. Now, unfortunately, the MG3 has not been tested by ANCAP. ANCAP, of course, too busy playing politics and volleyball, presumably, and securing the next round of ANCAP funding from the government, which is quite important to ANCAP. Too busy doing all of that to detain itself with inconveniences such as testing the cheapest and potentially nastiest cars out there on the road. According to howsafeisyourcar.com.au, the MG3 scores just five points out of a possible 10 on recommended safety features. It does have airbags and stability control, but not auto emergency braking. It also lacks lane keep assistance and driver attention detection. And we really do not know how well or poorly the structure crashes. These missing safety systems are potential lifesavers, especially for an inexperienced driver. And crash performance is critical to survival regardless. And so on that basis alone, I'd be looking for something like a used Toyota Corolla, Hyundai i30, Kia Cerato, Mazda 3, Subaru Impreza, something like that, which is a five-star car that can be had at the same money. That'd be important to me as a parent. I don't think you can make a responsible parent case for putting an experienced driver in one of the least safe new cars available. On the plus side, the Chinese are bringing the fight to the Japanese and the South Koreans. The whole car industry is in fact a cesspit of commercial stabbing. The Japanese car maker, all he wants to do is stab the European car maker in the back and also stab downhill into the Koreans, right? But he himself, the Japanese car maker, was typically mortally wounded by the global financial crisis. Except, of course, Toyota, the cockroach of financial Holocaust survivors. But even the big T is copping that ice pick from behind, more or less, and incrementally losing market share each year to the formerly upstart South Koreans, Hyundai and Kia. 
Hyundai hates Kia and vice versa. Enthusiastic bilateral stab fest there, even though they're joined at the hip, which must make bedtime conversations kind of interesting, I don't know. And since going mainstream, Hyundai's got all these brands to juggle, right? The commercial non-starter we know as Genesis, the philosophical BMW M clone called N, the electrified Ionic, and of course just mainstream vanilla Hyundai, which is all very confusing out there in the market. <laughs> so many messages just to fire off into the public. I'm certain it all seemed like a good idea sometime in the boardroom. Lots of backslapping there. And all Kia wants to do is upend Big Sister, which is a really neat trick when you think about it, if you share a friggin' pelvis. This pair, they kind of agree on the overall hilarity of one thing, which would be Sanyong's ongoing appointments with Dr. Kevorkian. But I don't know if they're actually smart enough to deploy jointly countermeasures against the Chinese, which clearly are a threat, and who clearly plan on doing to them exactly what they did and are doing to the Japanese commercially, only on a somewhat accelerated timeline. The whole thing is sort of extended cut of the razor blade scene from Kill Bill minus Uma in a skin-tight yellow jumpsuit. And I do enjoy a skin-tight yellow jumpsuit, as long as it's not me friggin' wearing it in public. So, against this blood-drenched tableau, MG is a British badge that's now owned by the Chinese, of course. Specifically, the SAIC, which is China's biggest car maker, formerly called the Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation. At least here in Shitsville, MG is supported by a factory-owned subsidiary, which is important because it's not some cutthroat independent distributor, which hardly ever works out well for consumers, except of course in the case of Subaru. There's a seven-year warranty with MG, and that's positive as well, and they seem to be kicking a goal and gaining traction in our market, unlike, say, Sanyong, which remains nowhere after basically infinity opportunities to get this right. MG is on the rise on volume. They're up to 26,000 odd sales so far this year from roughly 8,000 for the first eight months of last year. So that's what, roughly threefold growth, which is kind of slower than the pandemic rocketing through Afghanistan currently but still pretty impressive growth for a car maker in a mature market. Of course, this growth might simply be because other new cars are so scarce currently, rather than any specific off-chart rat cunningness among MG's local senior executive geniuses. Although, obviously, if you put this question directly to them, I would, I'm sure they would manage to set one straight. Basically, the problems with buying an MG are the aforementioned safety concerns with the MG3 specifically, and broadly, the unknowns across the brand, right? So what's the resale going to be, and how's the reliability? Do they have sufficient local spare parts inventory to support the fleet of MGs they actually sell? Have they invested adequately in technical training for their 70 or 80 dealers nationwide? I think it's 76 currently. Even more importantly, 
what's their customer support culture? Like, this is critical because if 19-year-old's daughter's MG manages to go poopy in its trousers unexpectedly late one Friday evening, it's always kind of nice on Saturday morning if an adequately trained technician can diagnose the problem and resolve it quickly. It's kind of nice if MG technicians order the replacement parts from MG Shitsville and they send a minion to the warehouse next door and they dispatch those parts for next day delivery. As opposed to putting a slow boat on the Bund in Shanghai and awaiting delivery next Easter. It's rather nice if they don't argue the toss endlessly about who picks up the tab either. That's kind of critical. And with brands like MG, LDV, Havel, GWM, which is the rebranded Great Wall Motors, the jury's just not in on all of those issues. So buying one is a real roll of the die, okay? You buy one, you're a lab rat. You save money buying an MG3 up front, but frankly, for me, 18,000 bucks on the late model used i30, Serato Corolla, Impreza, or Mazda 3. That's absolutely the safest way to go here. And I mean safest in the broadest possible sense of the use of that word. In three to five years, when MG has got the knife buried deep into Hyundai and Kia, up to the hilt maybe, buying one of those vehicles might be the best idea since working from home with no pants. We'll just have to wait and see. Speaking of no pants, now this from you. Great video, but it will never take the jabby jab because it will not be forced into anything against my will. Mike Nolan there, and to Mike I would say, dude, where do we start unpacking this? Mike's comment stems from my most recent video on the pandemic of political incompetence here in the People's Republic of Afghanistan. I'll put a link up there. Maybe. Depending on you. In this paradise, Bin Chicken TV is broadcast every day at 11am relentlessly, starring the koala-killing librarian who's so unlucky in love somewhat thin-skinned and tantrum-prone commander of the fixated picnic unit, personal opinion, and the Republic's most unapologetic, significant health hazard. Which would all be quite funny if lives weren't also in the balance and the health system wasn't also apparently collapsing. So to Mike, I would say, dude, vaccine hesitancy. I kind of get it. I get you get put the ingredients together and this is the cake that you bake, but you know that your argument is nonsense, mate, because it only takes roughly three to four brain cells to repudiate your claims. I note uh, Mike's YouTube homepage, Rockin' the Hive is, which is either a loud and proud declaration of membership to Club Bogan, or simply because Mike's employer will not let him through the door in any other attire. We'll get to that. This business about it will not be forced into anything against my will. <laughs> Dude, that's the only time anyone is ever forced into anything against their will, right? Otherwise, you're not being forced. You're doing it willingly, like you've made a choice. Plus, nobody's forcing anyone to get 
quote, jabby-jabbed. What those political dipshits are doing in a heavy-handed and philosophically fucked-up way, lacking even vestigial credibility at this point, or compassion, let's not forget, mainly because they seem too stupid to do it any other way, personal opinion, is they're asking you to get vaccinated. They're asking. They're appealing to the good mic in all of us. But the way they do it and the absurd policies and the penalties, the sheer logistic and policy incompetence. I understand why some people are vaccine hesitant and resistant to the declarations of authority. I really do. The best reason to get vaccinated is not so that they can reopen hairdressers and nail salons and rub and tug emporia across the fine nation we know as Shitsville. It's to slow the rate of transmission of the virus through the population so the health system doesn't collapse and also decrease the severity of the disease if you do get it and thereby protect, in particular, vulnerable people in the community, like Nana. Everyone loves Nana. Pop is usually a dead set cock, but Nana, come on, Mike, Nana. Personal opinion, dude. You jabby jab hesitant cattle prod conspiracy dicks. You seem to have overlooked the very obvious intermediate step here between you and forming a view in concrete terms on getting the needle and actually getting the jabby jab. Which would be, to state the friggin' obvious, Plonk yourself down in front of a person who went to university for six or seven years because they always wanted to glove up and check your prostate once a year without getting arrested. We call these people doctors, dude, and they're everywhere, like the Matrix. If you get a lump on your chest and it starts growing into Gladys Berechiklian's proboscis, you'd go to the doctor for advice. I know I would, mainly because of the horrific uncertainty otherwise. And this is just that. If you're unsure about the jabby jab, ask an actual doctor. Like, doc, I hear so much conflicting crap about getting the jabby jab. What should I do? Is it right for me? What are the risks and what are the rewards? How hard is it to go out and do this, dude? Come on. Perhaps Mike is referring to his employer developing a jabby-jab mandate for those on the job, forcing him to get jabby-jabbed against his will, to take one, or make that two, for the team, which he will never do because principles. I look at this just like wearing pants, which I used to do routinely for several years when I worked in an office. Nobody forced me to wear pants back then, not once, like not ever. It was more of a understood thing, like an office-wide convention. I suppose I was free not to wear pants in the office at any time. I never tested that hypothesis, except once in the boardroom during an especially raucous Christmas party. Like, what was I supposed to do? Freddie Mercury was bellowing something about fat-bottomed girls, and I just went with it. It was oddly liberating, actually, but I never got promoted after that. I don't know why. 
It was generally understood that if anyone on the team exercised his God-given right not to wear pants at work, then his boss would exercise her divine right to decline his ongoing contribution at the coalface. That seems inherently balanced and proportionate, like a self-correcting system. It's a set of choices and consequences. And pants, let's not forget, are just an aesthetic thing, generally. Except if, you know, a tripping hazard. Or if you use a chainsaw. Some employers are very touchy about pants, I note. Not just wearing pants generally, but wearing specific pants. Mickey D's has a specific pants policy, I note. Nobody at Cac Rondell's is forced against their will to wear those particular pants while supersizing this and that at the drive-thru. Nobody. It's just that, dude, if you don't wear those pants, you cannot work beneath the golden arches. It's that simple. But it's still a choice. And pants are generally just a concession to aesthetics. Maybe a hedge against cold weather attenuation, which is never flattering. Just ask Tony Abbott. With vaccination, there is pretty clearly an occupational health and public safety dimension to the vaccination status of workers. So I guess I'm saying there might be a right not to get the jabby jab, but I'm not so sure there's the same kind of moral right to let the consequences of one's choice on this impact the health and safety of others. Have you ever thought about that? Knock yourself out in the comments arguing the toss with me over that one. See what happens if you turn up to work at the bank tomorrow with no pants. Hell-bent on making some half-assed, or in the case of no pants, fully-assed point about personal freedom. And take it from me, sitting here right now in this fairly chilly fat cave this morning, pants are just tyranny, the tyranny of authority. So make Australia less shit. Unzip and be free, dude. That'll be the first bill I pass when I'm Prime Minister. Pants free Friday in the house forever.